0: Apple's new M1 Macs are taking users to glorious new heights. But is all not well in the Apple Silicon Paradise? In this episode of the Macworld Podcast, we take a look at some of the intel inside a couple of reports that rain on the M1's parade. How do they affect you and your M1 Mac? Stay tuned and find out. Welcome to the Macworld Podcast. I'm Roman Loyola here with Jason Cross. Hello. Hello and michael simon hello sir news items that happened this week in regards to the m1 max the first one was a report about silver sparrow which is a virus that apparently doesn't really do anything
1: it's uh it's it's an infection that attacks the apple installer script through JavaScript, I'm pretty sure Apple would be able to close this with an, a macOS update, but we haven't seen anything yet. But the, the interesting thing is, like they talk about how much more secure the m the Apple Silicon is than Intel chips were, and this affects both. I mean, it, there's a lot of headlines that say it, it affects the M1. It does affect in fact, Intel chips as well. This is one of the ones where one of the first viruses we've seen. There's, this is actually the second, but the first one is so obscure that and and hard to. run across so the researchers that found this said you know yeah we found it we have proved that it works but we haven't seen it actually be exploited anywhere in the wild yet there's no there's no payload
2: anywhere and they don't even necessarily see that it could or would do anything malicious it's just that the the news is that they were able to to put it there basically which is concerning in itself
1: yeah it's tough because a lot of these a lot of these sort of um malware Installers, which is what this is. This is to execute code that could install, uh, to exploit an installer when you're installing something to execute code that's not part of whatever it is you're trying to install. A lot of these things are meant to um, be sleeping until they're spread a lot, and then all of a sudden hit a million people at once, right? You know, so it's hard to tell exactly what the purpose of this was. (laughs)
2: And you know, 30,000 max, which is what the Silver Sparrow um, affected, or what they discovered, a little, a little under 30,000. That's not an insignificant number, but it's also not a huge number when you talk about the Mac installed base. The point
1: being, uh, keep your macOS up to date,
2: because
1: that you never, you never really hear much about exactly what holes are being closed in a macOS update from security standpoint. Yeah, if if a researcher has publicized a, a problem, then you might hear that this is an update. But usually what happens is a researcher talks about a problem that was discovered six months ago and fixed in a patch four months ago, and now they can talk about it. And they just want to make sure that enough people have updated before they go out there and tell all the bad people in the world how, how to hack into your computer.
2: Yeah, in this instance, um, Apple revoked a developer certificate that allowed this thing to propagate so it's like you can't get it anymore but Apple still hasn't released a patch specifically for to you know to get rid of this thing. So the point is don't wait till
1: somebody tells you about an OS update that fixed a huge security hole months and months ago. Just keep your <laughs> OS up to date. It's important. They won't tell you about what problems they fixed because it's important they don't. 'Cause they don't want to clue everybody in on how they can affect all the unupdated
2: computers. Right. Yeah, there's a you know, there's a bit of a misconception that Apple, Macs in general, are immune from viruses and malware and adware. That's that's not the case. Apple is just it's just better at getting on top of them. And it has a much smaller install base. So when something affects Windows, it affects zillions of people. When it affects Macs, it's you know, it makes headlines, it's a smaller portion of the computing population. And there
1: are just a lot more Windows machines that don't stay up to date because they're in big corporate environments where the they're not getting updates directly from Microsoft. They're getting um, your your IT people have to push out the patches and they only do it every year or whatever. You know, for a million different reasons, you've got all these sort of older or or non-updated Windows machines it's just it's just a bigger target it's got more surface area in that way also having a lot more different hardware suppliers means you have a lot of surface area as opposed to Apple controlling everything and well now two suppliers but it'll be back to one before you know it just Apple
0: <laughs> I mean if you're if you're thinking oh no it's the m1 is vulnerable to these attacks you know th- these things happen and because the m1's new it might have a target on its back by by some people you know they they want to they want to attack the, the new shiny new thing yeah if you're concerned about it don't uh, you know like jason and mike were saying update your os you'll be fine there is it,
1: no it... reason to believe that the m1 is less secure than the, all the any of the in intel-based macs were and lots of reasons to believe it's more secure just by design, just by the way the architecture works. It, we're, we're not there yet. It's just going to make headlines
0: every time there's a virus for a little while.
2: Yeah, and as more people buy these things and use these things, they're going to become
0: more of a target. That's just how it goes. What do you guys think about running antivirus software? What, do you guys have any thoughts on that? I, I do only because IT makes me do it. <laughs> yeah. We, you know, I, I have one on, the, on my uh, IDG machine as well. I
2: mean, I my, my feeling is that it absolutely isn't going to hurt your machine and if you want to pay for a service or you want to get something that's going to scan your 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 mac uh whether it's a, a one-time fee or subscription or a free thing i mean as long as you're not getting something that's shady you know you're getting it from a reputable company the mac app store sure i mean go i mean it's we, it's not we
1: regularly review and round up these these things um i really think it has a lot to do with behavior and how much you know and what you're you're going to do if you have a family machine if you have kids who are who will click on anything that says they get free fortnite v bucks or something like my niece who's a college student now has gotten two viruses in the last year she says she doesn't never does anything weird or whatever but it's like well they don't just spring up when you do nothing <laughs> so, so she is like doing something or someone she knows is doing something it's available she plugged in a usb drive that she didn't know like there's a million reasons so i don't run Uh, antivirus on my machines but that's because i know about all the attack vectors and i don't do anything that would be suspect and if i ever needed to i'd open a virtual machine and all that stuff but i think for a lot of people it's just a good safeguard against you not knowing what risky behavior is
0: a long time ago running such software would there would be a tiny performance hit but i don't i think the performance hit is negligible now it's you won't even notice it i don't notice it on my work machine
1: yeah for most most of them they aren't unless you kick off what they call like a full scan where it like deep scans every aspect of your whole hard drive which it doesn't need to do very often
0: yeah so just be a little more just be conscious of what what you're doing with your computer when you know that goes a long way
2: yeah, it's the old it's the old advice. Don't click a link that you're unfamiliar with. Don't open an email that comes from someone that has a link that you don't you know you don't know. We get we, we have to do these these videos and these training things like every three months for work, and it's the same thing over and over again. You know, just be smart.
1: I mean, and as many times as we tell people things like this, the top two passwords in the world year after year after year are one two three four five six or password or password one two three. Uh, like you can't there's a certain there's a certain amount of like people just will not learn
2: certain lessons so yeah and you know you people say well it's too hard like you know I was talking to my dad the other day we were sharing a, I was giving him a password for one of my streaming services and he's like wait, wait what is it why is it so complicated and I'm like well because I don't want people like A finding it out and using like there are people online that especially now that everything's online everything's streaming everyone's using the things they, they buy and sell these these usernames and passwords all the time and you want it to be something that they're not going to be able to to guess and if they get it you want it to be unique from something else so you're not using it all over the place so if you do If it does get stolen, it affects one thing. You can change that password, and you're done. You know, like my dad has like it's like his last name and his age or something. I'm like, that's the worst password ever. (laughs) Like, you don't want to do that. (laughs) Use a password
1: manager, everybody.
2: Yeah, and they're they're so easy to use. You know, it's there are some free ones, less and less. So you know, they're they're starting to become like you know, 30 bucks a year or something. But they're so important, and they make it so easy. Because all you usually it's a biometric, you know, you you do your fingerprint and they all come up, or face ID and they all come up, searchable, easy to use. It's just you know, do it. I mean, it's like you wouldn't throw your wallet around. So it's, it's the same thing. You know, all of your information online is as important as the things that you keep in your wallet.
0: Apple has a password manager called uh, iCloud Keychain, you can use that. I use 1Password, I've been using it for years, I love it.
2: And it it doesn't hurt to use both, I use both. I use iCloud Keychain and, and 1Password you know have have some redundancy yeah i
0: use i I happen to use both but sometimes it gets confusing on safari because like the ui overlaps (laughs) i agree and the reason why i use one password mostly i rely on that is because in case i you know i decide i need to use a non-apple machine and they they have that software available or just browser
1: you know if i'm on a mac and i'm not using safari it's it's a pain to get my keychain stuff out of when in chrome or whatever and it's a lot easier just to have a a one password plugin plus you can store other things like notes and phone numbers and whatever else one you know in my case i i got a shared account so i can easily share passwords with my wife in a shared thing where so that's all of our like netflix and hulu and all those other kind of passwords where services we share and stuff like that they're all in the shared thing and then we all have our we each have our own i can't get her to use the actual password manager for any of her passwords at all she has a million different passwords and just can't remember like which one did i use you don't have to remember you just
2: touch your finger to the thing or reuse your face and... and now safari suggests like a, a ridiculously uncrackable string of letters and numbers if and if that you're never going to remember so that just goes right in your password manager and there it is boom
0: so another issue that came up that this actually appeared i think via twitter almost two weeks ago but it's just hitting kind of the, the media and the press over the past couple of days
2: we're we're always late
0: and it has to do with the SSD in the M1 Max uh, there's a program that monitors the usage of your SSD which is important because SSDs have a, a limited life how
2: how many times they can read to it each right? cell yeah
0: and these reports are saying that these SSDs on the M1 Macs are being used a lot, like way more than than should be happening. It's causing some concern in the community. Like as we mentioned, SSDs have a limited life, and if you wear out your SSD on your M1 Mac, that's going to be a hard component to replace because it's part of the motherboard. It's not just as simple as swapping out a drive like it used to be
2: right and you can't you can't do it yourself
0: can't do it yourself you have to take it somewhere so yeah it's so nobody knows yet whether this is error in the reporting tool if mac os is really doing something that's causing this extreme activity
2: yeah uh i mean at some point apple will come out with a statement or something and say what the issue is but yeah it could be that the tool doesn't communicate with the m1 properly but there's also now people with recent intel Macs are saying the same thing and they're showing their their reports are showing the same wear and tear like six or seven months old with um hundreds of, of terabytes of data written and uh so, so you, with with an ssd you can actually track the the life of the drive these these tools are track the life of the drive and it tells you like how much an estimate of how much is remaining and some of those Intel machines have as much as like 30% of their drive uh, used. So it's, it's definitely an issue on some level that Apple needs yeah, to it address. It would not surprise me if changes
1: in Big Sur and especially in the M1 for M1 Max were swapping data out to the drive from RAM. Instead of RAM, you use faster. It's one of the reasons that we see M1 Max with just eight gigs and stuff just for some reason operating way better than we've ever expected eight gig machines to. We've been conditioned to be like, well, when you do X, Y, and Z on an eight gig machine, it really starts to chug and M1 Max have just blown by that. People can't like, why? How is this happening? And I think they're just doing a lot behind the scenes to really smartly swap things out the ssd and back in again as needed so that you're not using up the ram but it's possible that this tool is not accounting for the way that this stuff is cached it it could be counting sort of reads and writes but the m1 for example has a really big slc cache which is a cache for the for the ssd for reads and writes from the ssd it's a huge chunk of the chip it's on the chip not on the, the ssd if it's counting reads and writes that never get beyond the cache and never actually hit the SSD, it's going to show a really inflated number compared to what's actually being read and written to the SSD. And I'm not sure how that tool exactly operates (laughs) or is intended to operate. People are going to need to dig into this more. What we're not seeing yet is any Macs that are showing serious degradation of the SSD. They're not, the performance isn't tanking, the available space isn't tanking. That's Those are issues that you run into when you run past the usable read and write cycles of your SSDs. Haven't seen that happen yet, but then again, these Macs are still pretty new, and you should expect that not to happen for years.
2: Yeah, and if you extrapolate forward based on the current use, based on the current, uh, uh, you know, what, what's been used so far in these, uh, as reported by these tools, we're talking... You know, five, ten—not ten, five, six, seven years down the line. Like it's not like they're gonna fail, you know, in December. Yeah, some of the
1: worst uh, estimates have been like, well, geez, in two years, I'm gonna—it's gonna start showing that I have less, significantly less SSD space and stuff because it's
2: going to cells are gonna fail. But still, like seventy percent remaining. You know, it's not. You know, but that people have also ran reports on four-year-old IMAX and they're like ten percent. Used, so this is it's it's significantly more. The question is, as Jason just said, will this have a noticeable effect on the the typical lifespan of a Mac? I can almost
1: guarantee you that as if if Apple issues a statement on this, it's going to be that these are all operating as intended and. You'd have nothing to worry about.
2: Yeah, you know. that that's guaranteed. <laughs> and we
1: expect these to
2: be usable for
1: years and years and all that stuff.
2: I mean, they convinced us that bent iPads were operating as intended <laughs> within within normal limits or something.
1: They'll say so. Yeah, th- th- this is a, this is kind of like a a tempest in a teapot, but it's also something that we just really won't know how bad it is for a while yet. It might it might be nothing, and it might be that everybody who bought an <laughs> M one Mac is going to find out in 2022 that they have a lot less SSD space than they paid for.
2: So, yikes. Yeah, I mean then they usually wait for like the the commotion to die down before they chime in. Like it's rare that Apple gets involved in the in the conversation like this. And you know, let's let's face it. This is the kind of thing that is it's unique to Apple. They have a a, a developer base that's constantly looking for these things and constantly calling it out. And this this is the type of stuff most people would never notice care about, understand, and, you know, this, these things pick up steam. So they're, you know, they're going to let it, the story build for a couple of days, then die down. And then they'll come out and say, we're going to do this, that, and the other thing. Or as Jason says, it's completely expected and we're doing nothing. One of the two, but it's a, it's, it's a software thing, whatever the case may be, it's something to do with, with macOS and how it's how it's 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 communicating between the SSD and the RAM and the chip and all that stuff. It's not.
0: I don't think it's a hardware issue. It's really a bigger issue for pro users, people who use pro apps. That's
2: exactly right, and that's who that's who called it out, and that's who care more most
0: about this. Yeah, stuff. because those apps do a lot of swapping, file swapping. There's a lot of drive activity that's happening in those apps. Yeah, and they're they're compiling things. They're using
2: it for hours on end in ways that we don't. But I'll tell you that I checked out my... Uh, so I got my Mac in late December, and I just use it for work, you know, this stuff, writing, Zoom. And I've written 9.3 terabytes of data to my SSD. It still says 100%. But, you know, that's significant, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't have anything to compare it to because I had to return my other one, and, and my iMac behind me is a zillion years old.
0: But... um I mean, I don't know. (laughs) It seems like it's a lot. And I've seen some people say that the numbers that they're seeing reported through SMART don't really jive with what their real use experience has.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd say the system's definitely doing something in the background or in the whatever ground without, you know, this isn't just me moving files from one place to the other or data from one place to the other. Uh, The question is, you know, will Apple... Give us a technical explanation and explain to us why we shouldn't worry about it.
0: Well, that does it for this week's episode of the Macworld Podcast, episode 732. Thanks to Jason Cross. Thank you. Thanks to Michael Simon. Thank you, sir. And thanks to you, the audience. Thank you for tuning in. You can subscribe to the podcast via the podcast app through SoundCloud.com or on Spotify. If you have any comments or questions, you can email us at podcast at macworld.com. Or you can contact us through Twitter, that's at Macworld, or on the Macworld Facebook page. Join us in the next episode of the Macworld podcast as we talk about the latest news and happenings in the world of Apple. See you next time.